Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 174 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, and I am here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah, what's going on? Not much. We are really excited about today's topic. Megan, you coined the title of the episode. I was I was thinking around a topic, but it is how to be the parent that teachers and schools love. We want mm-hmm. to be. Everybody wants to be loved. <laughs> we want to be loved. We want to support teachers. Here's yes. the thing, though. And I feel like if you've listened to this show a long time, you've heard some of this before. But I want to be able to support my kids' school, but I really feel strongly that that doesn't look like the... We're given three or four options that come up again and again. Chaperoning a field trip, volunteering on a class party day, being a room parent for your child's classroom, maybe. Um, what else, Megan? PTA, PTO, PTSA. Yeah. And PTSA. So, that's what, PTSD yeah. from PTA. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So... Here's you and I always like to break the mold a little bit. I think we always like to say, okay, so those are great options. They're really important to schools, all all kinds of schools. Even if your child is first starting in a little primary or preschool, there's probably a room parent and there's probably a sign up list. Um, And those are really valuable things. I think what we like to do, though, is sort of say that's not the only way to help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we've done I think you and I have both between us done almost all of these things. Um, on several occasions, but it's not the only way. And sometimes you're in a season of life where you can't or you're just not in the brain space where you want to do that. And that's okay too. But there's lots of other ways to be not only valuable to the school and the teacher, but also just like supportive and good to them. And I I think what I like about the tips we're going to give is that we really range everything from like super low bar to more, a little more effort. Exactly. There's something for everyone. Exactly. And I think I always love to be able to give newer moms the gift of Uh, what we've learned in hindsight. And it's very easy to think that the options presented to you at back to school night are the only options, especially I think, Megan, you're better at breaking the rules than I am or thinking outside the box. But um, I tend to just take things at face value. And like I look to the system to tell me how to participate in it. So it's taken me longer as a school mom to figure out, oh, like I don't I don't have to sign up for any of these things. In fact, I can invite invent my own way to be involved that's really fulfilling for me and also helps teachers in schools. So that's yep, kind of what we're totally going to do. going to offer some tips and share our experiences. And then also at the end of the show, we have Katie. Katie's joining me with um, an update on her life as a mom with two little ones. We love those segments. And so that will happen at the end of today's show. Cool. Well, let's kick off uh, first with a sponsor shout out. We're going to talk about care.com, the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care. You guys have heard me talk about care.com before. Um, What I think is really cool about it is there's every kind of care. There's sitters and nannies, but also you can find housekeepers, dog walkers, senior care, tutors, errand runners, basically anything you need to kind of help you run your household and care for the people and pets in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can find that kind of care at care.com. And I've used care.com for both nannies and occasional sitters. And even though I live in a small town, when I type in my zip code, I get a nice wide 
variety of sitters to choose from and nannies and, and all kinds of caregivers, which is unusual around here. It, I think it's because they've been around a long time. They're really established and they have a great reputation. So they draw a lot of caregivers. Yeah, that's great. Um, and you can find full-time, part-time, any kind of care and anything in between. Another really cool thing about care.com is that you can find the care, pay for the care and book it and pay for the nanny taxes all in one place with home pay. So you can even pay through their safe system, which I think is a really cool uh, aspect and feature that they have. And they have a variety of background check options. So if that's something that you feel you know that you need to do, um, they have that built right into the system. You can join for free as a basic member and that will allow you to you know look in your area for local caregivers. And then you're gonna wanna upgrade to premium so that you can reach out to the caregivers, schedule interviews, and then if you want to use the app to book and pay for the care online, you can do that using the care.com app as well. And we're going to give you 30% off that care.com premium membership. Just visit care.com slash mom hour when you subscribe. Again, that's uh, 30% off the premium membership by visiting care.com slash mom hour. I love that. This time of year, I feel like things are shifting um, back to work changes, back to school changes. So yeah. Um, get creative mamas with how you set up those uh, care services because yeah. everybody can use them whether you're working outside the home or not. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, Megan. So we're going to go back and forth with okay. tips we're offering. And again, this is focused on w- ways to be the parent that the teacher in the school loves, but it's not just about, you know, getting the gold star or being on the good list. It's truly about ways to help teachers in schools in a way that also fits with your life. So yeah. do you want to go first? I'll go first. Sure. So this one really has nothing to do. It is This is not a volunteering um, thing. This is one of those low bar, like anybody can do this. Literally, you you can do this. <laughs> no, Nobody here um, does not have this available to them. And that is to just give teachers the benefit of the doubt. Um, and I know this is going to be really hard. You've got your precious little you know, kindergartner or first grader going off and then they come home and they tell you something about their teacher. Their teacher was mean. Their teacher put them on yellow instead of green and unfairly and they didn't even do anything or their teacher marked something wrong that wasn't wrong or whatever it is. You know, there's lots. They have many beefs. And I know a lot of us have heard the saying um, from teachers like the agreement that if you only believe I think, what is it, 10% of what? Yeah, I've heard different percentages, but the gist right. is, yeah, I won't believe everything your kid says about home if you don't believe. If you don't believe, right, because keep in mind, they are doing the exact same thing at school. They are telling your the teachers that you never clean their clothes and that you drink wine all night <laughs> and that um, you threw away their homework logs. Sometimes that's actually true. I do that by accident kind of a lot. But th- the point being, I think if we just take a step back and give them a chance to make things right, if there actually is something wrong, um, and that means communication. Um, that means kind of maybe keeping your griping and venting to a circle of close friends and not putting it on Facebook. I am oh, yeah. honestly amazed sometimes by how much griping about specific teachers I see happening on Facebook. And I've kind of done it like in a, I don't know, like in a jokey way before, but not like, like you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, I know that I've probably been guilty of this before, too. But sometimes you're like, oof, you know, like they just call that teacher out by name on Facebook. And I live in a small community and that is absolutely going to travel back to that teacher. And um, I think that there's just so much more constructive ways to deal with a conflict and they're going to happen. And sometimes it's a bad fit. Like sometimes it's like your kid and that teacher just aren't a good match. But most of the time, I think it's things with some proactivity and kind of just giving them some time and space to figure it out will can be easily resolved. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think when you're in the early years of school, 
teachers seem all-knowing and omnipotent. I think we carry that forward from our own childhood, right? So because of that, if if we feel like the teacher has then made a mistake or been unfair to our child, it can feel this almost like this betrayal of authority. But when you think about it, like the teachers are humans, first of all, and moms, many of them, working moms. Um, So I think we have to, it takes a while to learn actually how approachable teachers are and how imperfect and human. And that's actually a way bigger gift, I think, to us and our kids. But I think, especially when you're new to school, you forget that they're not these untouchable, all-powerful, all-knowing beings. And so because of that, they do deserve a lot of grace and benefit of the doubt and and that you have a very uh flawed reporter in your child who comes home reporting these things like you said Megan so yeah and I will make two other little points about that I think that you're right that it it helps you out it helps you to maybe relax a little bit or not you don't have as a mom you're not obligated to be up in arms the minute your kid tells you Right. Something went wrong. Like you're not then obligated to react. You're not obligated to flip out. You're not obligated to have an opinion even like it's perfectly okay for you to do nothing. Absolutely. (laughs) And just to be like, oh, let's see how this shakes out. And I think especially this time of the year, that's really important because keep in mind your your teachers are just getting used to the classroom. They don't know your kid yet. They don't know that you know, that they get a little squirrely right before lunch. But once they eat, they're going to be okay. Or they you know, they just don't have that knowledge yet that would help them. Um, teach and manage your child the way that you would in your home. So A, they're like the deck is stacked against them at the beginning of the year. It takes them a while to adjust. Um, Also, I think when you don't immediately react, not only is it better for you and your blood pressure and all that stuff, but I think it teaches your kids really good lessons too. That like, just because they come home and say something doesn't mean you're going to spring into action and solve it for them. Oh, Um, yes. Maybe there's some role playing that you could do or a conversation you could have. Okay, well, next time, you know, Mrs. Smith says this, like, what's, what do you think is a different way you could solve that and see what they say. And lots of times kids will come up with a good solution and then they bebop along. It's not like they're not necessarily sitting on it all day either. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because one thing that I have noticed is I, certain of my kids are really good reporters about what's going on in the classroom, but they don't carry a ton of a trauma or emotion about it. So right. while what they're saying may sound like, oh gosh, that sounds like it would be hard for you. I'm watching more for their behavior and their their emotional cues. And if they're not actually really hurt and upset or, you know, afraid to go to school the next day, um, then often they're just sort of, they're just being a little reporter. They're telling you yep. what went on. And if they're not carrying a lot of trauma with it, you don't need to either. If right. they are, I still think it's worth um just like you said, taking a breath and watching, especially at the beginning of the year, to see what what is going to work itself out on its own and what requires your involvement. Gosh, this like turned that one turned into like a big kind of a deep one, but it's so important. I know it really did. I thought that would be like a really fast, simple one, but there's yeah. a lot to it, though, right? Basically, there's a lot to it. Give humans the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, give, uh, just, give your fellow yeah. um, moms and dads, you know, male teachers, female teachers. Maybe they're not moms and dads, but your fellow humans deserve the benefit of the doubt in their job. You wouldn't it's, want to yeah. be called out on Facebook for doing something wrong at your job. I can't believe no. that happened. Yeah. And it's it's the golden rule, really. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just human. Just being a good human. I like it. Okay, so my first one is also very simple, but perhaps a little more like um, actionable. And that is to respect teachers' time. Um, Mm. They are so 
time strapped and their work day looks very different from those of us who have worked in like a corporate environment or um, water cooler culture where you can catch up for a few minutes. I see a lot of parents um, having hallway or doorway conversations, especially in conferences, essentially is what they Mm -hmm. become. Yeah. Especially in the doorway. And they forget that, first of all, anytime a teacher is talking to a parent, they're not being with their kids, the kids, which is their primary job. Um, But also they're not prepared to if they have 30 students and you want to talk to them about something going on with your kid, they don't have a chance to prepare. It's like ambushing kind of. Yeah. Um, And so that's one piece of it. The hallway or the doorway or like the spontaneous conferences I think it just it takes a while to learn because if we have been in this like water cooler culture where you're like hey about that thing we were discussing let's take five minutes and talk about that in some workplaces that's totally just the way it works but in a school environment it's typically really hard I think for the teacher but another way I think you can respect their time is um, even if you're communicating by email or on whatever like digital platform your school works on um, just making sure that your communications are really clear that you're um, kind of not, not asking dumb questions. There are no dumb questions, but, um, if there's been an announcement or there's something somewhere you can get that information on your own, maybe poke around or ask your friends before firing off an email to the teacher, asking them a question that you probably could have answered yourself. Do you know what I, do you know what I mean? And that's another way to respect their time. Um, I don't know. I don't know if anything comes to you. I, just yeah. know that their time is so stretched thin and yep. it's best used working with kids. And and the other thing I will say is most teachers will be very, very clear about the best way to get in touch with them mm-hmm. um, in whatever materials go home, maybe on the first day, maybe before school starts, maybe it comes home in like the back to school night or whatever it is. Like most teachers will tell you very explicitly how they like to communicate mm-hmm. and they'll usually give like more than one option. Like sometimes it's like you can always email me. Uh, but it's best to call me between the hours of X and Y mm-hmm. or whatever. And I th- I just think like another way to respect their time is to reach out to them the way they ask you yes. to. And because that's when they're going to be, like you said, ready, prepared, able. They're expecting it. They're not yeah. getting derailed from something else. And 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 I guess if I had to say one other one, it's be on time for your conferences, please. Yes. Yes. That's so true. <laughs> and don't and then don't sit in there for 25 minutes when you only have 10. I mean, I know everyone yeah. loves talking about their kids, but like. I feel so bad sometimes when I go yeah. to conferences and parents will not leave. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, yeah. do they have any idea what time it is? I know. And and I would also add that respecting their time goes back to what you said about this beginning of the year. I think yeah. I have it's a time of much anxiety for a lot of parents and kids have tough transitions. And so it's really tempting to want to send a lot of emails, check in. Yeah. How are they doing or explain some behavior that you're seeing at home? And I, I've actually done that when I felt that it's of the utmost importance that the teacher know. But as much as you can, I would say give yourself like a two to four week moratorium on mm-hmm. reaching out about anything that's like not mission critical because yeah. they are working so hard to get to know each kid. And you'll probably start off on a better foot a month or six weeks into the school year where you're like, hey, I'm Reed's mom. You know, I've been noticing a few things I wanted to ask you questions about, but I wanted to give you time to get into the year because they just like there's no normal routines. There's no um, it's just it's such a crazy time at the beginning of the year. So respecting their time on a day to day basis, but also kind of respecting that buffer of the beginning of the school year and similar like times like uh, parent teacher conference times or the holidays or the end of the year. Like think of it like you would any other 
job, like a tax preparer is going to be pretty cray cray right before April 15th, like kind of just letting them know that you, you know, that there are high demands in their job and you're going to do your best to work with that. Like you said, Megan, contacting them the way they want to be contacted and all of that. Well, and I will add one other thing to that. And that is, um, that sometimes like no news is good news. Yes, totally. And I know on our end, sometimes no news feels like, oh my gosh, what's happening. But totally. I'll just give a, a real specific example. When John and I separated, so going on two years ago now, it was right around the holidays. Like we told the kids we had been, you know, we'd known for a while, but yeah. we didn't tell them until like right around Thanksgiving. And then it, we went right into the holiday season. So I told their teachers right away mm-hmm. because I just was like, we just want to let you know that the kids um, found this out, blah, blah, blah. If you wouldn't mind just like keeping an eye on letting us know if anything goes wrong or if their behavior is different. And then I didn't hear anything back for like four or five weeks. And I'm in my mind, this is so front and center for me. Like mm-hmm. my entire life is changing. Sure. And right now all I can think about is my kids and how yes. they're responding and be and reacting to this. And I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. And it was the holiday and I didn't want to, I didn't want to push back or like get in anyone's face and everything's busy. And finally, after the holiday, I, I followed up and I'll, the, one of the teachers just said, you know, I haven't even thought to email you because she said they're doing so well that I would never have known had you not said anything. I almost like forgot, you yeah. know, so I thought, oh, well, OK, no news was good news yeah. <laughs> in this case. And, and they knew that I was I had specifically made the request. If something happens, please let me know. And then I had to trust that they actually would do that. Yeah. Um, and so I think sometimes like little problems they know how to solve. Yep. And we don't always have to intervene and there doesn't always have to be a lot of home um, involvement in yeah. it. And some of that's trust, you know, yeah. but like, it's really hard, yeah. especially when you're getting used to it. Like now I feel like we know that, but when you send right. your first preschooler off, like you want reports, like at the end of the day, like in daycare, right. when they tell yes. you like they're every bowel movement and you just are going to have to wean yourself off of that a little bit. Um, and it's healthy. It's supposed to happen, but we know it's hard. Like we, yeah, we exactly. know it's hard and it was hard even for you. And you had middle schoolers and even you felt like, ah, I want some feedback and you didn't get it, but it was because everything was okay. So I love that. Exactly. All right. I think it's your turn. All right. Um, well this one is, this is actually when Sarah came up with, but I stole it. (laughs) I think we (laughs) can both talk about it, but it applies to me as well. Um, and that is like, try to read the stuff that comes home, the letters, the emails, newsletters, blog posts. I know our, our school does a lot of that. And one thing that drives me nuts is that they don't, they'll just send an email out that says um, there's a new blog post up, but it doesn't say anything about the contents of the email. And I want to be like, you need a content strategist. You need, you need a teaser here, people. Like <laughs> you a need a teaser, you right? Need a like clickbaity headline. You need clickbait. Like, yeah, something you need to know or something. And they don't do that. And so I'll get to the blog post and there's always that part of me that's like, Ugh, am I even going to click this link? Because I mean, I, it, it could just be a blank page for all yeah. I know, but I try, I do my best to do it because I tell you what, every time I read a communication that comes home, I found out, I find out something I didn't know mm-hmm. that I probably thought I knew. And it, it's in both of our best interests yes. <laughs> to do that. Like it, I, there's always that time where I'll get it and be like, oh my gosh, I totally would have missed picture day had I not mm-hmm. taken a look at this or whatever it is. So I do my best. Nobody's perfect. And I know that that we have a lot, we all have a lot of stuff coming at us yeah. and I know I miss stuff, but I, I, I do try to look at it. I try to get it in a place where I won't forget whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you mentioned responding positively. I don't know that I respond as often as I could. So here's, I, here's what I want to say about that. I think that doing this podcast changed how I think about mass communications and hearing from the people that you are communicating to. Oh, so I worked yeah. in, I worked in communications long before this podcast, long before I had kids in school. And I actually wrote newsletters and articles that would reach 
you know, hundreds of people. And it never occurred to me, I guess because I was ghostwriting, it wasn't me personally. But until we started this podcast, when we started talking and hundreds and then thousands of people were listening, it it blew our minds. We've talked about this, how much it means to have someone say, I heard what you said, um, because it can seem like we have this megaphone, this microphone, this platform, and then it's just going one way. And we, you know, we were really touched by how much you guys respond to us. I really think that that made me think differently about when I receive a communication, even if I know it's being sent to a whole lot of people, I do sometimes think to myself, I wonder how many people hit reply. And we send email newsletters and same thing, Megan, like it doesn't require a reply, but at the same time, just because it's going to thousands of people doesn't mean they get a lot of responses. And I I have thought that with teacher communications, the newsletters and the emails they send, they're probably only getting responses that either have questions like, you know, follow up questions or maybe potentially negative because people don't often respond to say, hey, I read this. Thanks so much for putting it together. Now, I don't do that to every email, every newsletter, but we have a little we have a parent. um, It's like a I don't know. It's like Facebook for our school. It's this thing called Parent Square. And you can click the little like button just like you would on Facebook to just acknowledge that you've read what they've posted. So I try to always do that because I know as a content creator, I notice those things. I notice when somebody clicks a like or leaves a comment. And it's not just about ego. It's also saying like, yep, I read this. And so I don't like I said, I don't do it to every communication, but I do think that being a content creator and and starting to hear back from people changed how I think about like, I bet these teachers would really like to just hear somebody say like, thanks for this newsletter. I read it. Like I got right. through to the end of it because it, they took time to put it together. So I don't think yeah. you have to. I don't think it's like, you're not no, a but bad nice. school I mom, agree but yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's what I meant there by responding. And gosh, I get behind too in reading the emails and the newsletters. Um, and so nobody's perfect, uh, but I do think, especially when going back to respecting their time and, you know, when you have questions, make sure that you, you're you caught up on the information that they've tried to send home to you before poking holes in what they're doing. I would say that's like rule number one. That's just mm. a sign of respect, I think. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right. Um, Your well, turn. I think let's take a quick sponsor break because oh, okay. we have a few more, but let's take a break. Um, so I'm welcoming back butt paste. Oh yeah, I said it. Boudreaux's <laughs> butt paste. It's um, a great name. It is such a great name. You guys aren't going to forget it. And specifically, I know you've seen butt paste. They've got really re- um, memorable packaging, bright red and yellow for their diaper rash creams. But they also have this new rash kicking kit, which comes with both both their regular and their maximum strength. Um, diaper rash cream and then packaged with those is the butt brush which I think we agreed Megan is a pretty genius invention that was not it's one of those like I can't believe no one came up with this before but it's gonna it's gonna revolutionize diaper changing I'm telling you what it is so it's a really (laughs) soft little silicone applicator it's BPA free and it helps you get diaper cream where it needs to go without getting it all gross and stuck on your hands but it's not just about the mess it also makes that diaper change quick and comfortable for the baby because there is nothing worse than a baby with a diaper rash it's so sad and in my experience it's real easy for a mild rash to kind of get out of control quickly if you're not applying the right cream like every single time and kind of doing it like preventively Mm -hmm. I like that the maximum strength formula um, it works quickly so it's shown to provide relief in as little as three hours and it also offers protection that lasts all night because I think that's often when things get worse is those you know if you have kids yeah the long nights and with the wet diapers and that moisture so kind of creates that barrier that will help Um, both 
Both formulas of butt paste are free from dyes, parabens, and preservatives. So they've got great stuff in them and lots of bad stuff left out. You can feel good about what you're putting on your baby. Um, but the rash kicking kit is packaged super cute and it's around $15 on Amazon. So I think it makes a great baby shower gift. Um, and who would have thunk that a little baby bottom spatula would change, be a game changer, but I think it will. It will be because you can get a nice thick coating. Exactly. It's like putting spackle. Exactly. Spackle. On the wall. Spackle your baby's <laughs> butt. Um, and again, it's available on Amazon. It's around $15. I will link it up in the show notes. And so again, that's Boudreaux's Butt Paste. We're just thankful they joined us as a sponsor on this episode. Yeah, love it. And I'm going to welcome back Hydrolite. Um, we've talked about how it's back to school season. The sicknesses haven't quite hit us yet, Sarah, but they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. And we've also got that weird, like here in Michigan, the weather is going from like hot to cool to hot to cool. And I find that my kids overheat really easily because they don't know what to expect right. from temperatures when they're out running around and stuff. So I would really rather not uh, when they're sick or dehydrated or just need to stay hydrated. I really don't love the idea of giving them those like sugar laden sports drinks. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be really hard to just to rehydrate with just plain water. So Hydrolyte is a great alternative. It's got that balance of sodium, glucose, and water that you need to replace fluids and electrolytes that kids lose when they're sick or hot and sweaty. Um, in fact, it's got up to four times the electrolytes of those sports drinks, but get this, 75% less sugar, which is what I feel weird uh, giving yeah, them. Yeah, totally. Hydrolyte is great for all ages. It comes with uh, easy to follow dosing instructions so that if you're giving it to like a toddler, you can make sure they're getting the right concentration. Um, you can also get it in a tablet powder or a pre-mixed drink. So you can have it, you know, like ready to go in a bottle or you can have the tablet or powder. You can just throw in your gym bag, your purse or your diaper bag. And it's in flavors kids love like orange berry and lemonade. So you can find them online at amazon.com. And if you're looking ahead uh, it's a great idea to stock up before germ, germ season really hits. And we've got a deal for you to let you do that. Go to hydrolite.com slash podcasts. That's H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash podcasts. And that's going to take you to their Amazon store where you're going to save 30% with the promo code HydraKid. Again, hydrolite.com slash podcasts. Use the promo code HydraKid and you're going to get 30% off at their Amazon store. I love it. Okay. I love this topic. I'm having a lot of Me fun too. with this. Okay, so now I think we're getting a little more into actually ways to help um, that are a little less philosophical yeah. and more um, actually get the job done. So my tip is to offer your specific skills, like your what you are specifically good at, talented at, and have the bandwidth to offer, regardless of whether it is, you know, posted on a sign-up sheet or talked about it back to school night. Here's what I found. Teachers, they're a lot of times they are women. They are a lot of times just like us. And they sometimes feel bad asking for help. I've seen mm -hmm. it in their, you know, they know parents want to help, but they first of all, they're really busy. And it's not always easy to figure out how to put parents talents to use because that in itself takes time and strategy. Um, and also they they are this is a two way street. They know that we're busy and they feel bad always asking for help. I, I've seen it. I've seen it in them. Um, so if you have a skill or something you particularly don't mind doing, and I'll give a couple of examples, um, make it easy on them. Just shoot them an email at the beginning of the year and say, you know, I love to do this. Just tag me in. You know, you can text me when you need it. Um, make it super easy. Be really specific. I think we've talked about when we talk about moms helping moms, we always say yeah. it's way easier if everyone's really specific. rather Because not like, everyone even knows what they need sometimes or what yes. is even available to them. So exactly. the more specific you can be, the better. Yes. And if you, I mean, you and I are more seasoned 
seasoned moms and we might run into new teachers who don't even know this is an option. So a couple examples. Um, I have a really good electric pencil sharpener at home and I love to sharpen pencils and my kids love to sharpen pencils. So I have made a point to let teachers know that if they just send home a big Ziploc bag of unsharpened pencils with one of my kids in their backpacks, they don't even have to send me an email or anything. I will just send them back sharpened the next day. It takes me with our electric pencil sharpener. It takes me two minutes even for a big bag and it, it makes a huge impact for them. Um, and then I feel like I've done something and there's literally no communication required. And so I have done that before. Um, I made a couple of other, just a little list of things I think teachers sometimes need, um, cleaning and organizing. If you ever have an off day or offer, just say, Hey, I would love to come in after school and wipe down shelves or, you know, help you get rid of some old stuff you don't need. Um, I think they, some teachers would take you up on that, especially early in the year and end of the year. If you have a talent like photography or graphic design, if you know how to help set up a website um, or are good with technology, I find they often need help in those areas. If often the district or whatever higher power they have access to isn't necessarily able to help them in the way they need. Um, I remember a few years ago when we were at our neighborhood public school, um, I think Allegra was in second grade and the teacher liked to show videos on occasion, but she had literally an old, I think a VHS. She had the right um, VHS, what do you call them? A VCR. Oh yeah. <laughs> VHS. Yeah. I had, to, it took me a minute. I'm like, uh, so she had a VHS player. Yeah, I don't know. She had yeah. the VCR. She had the, the old VHS tapes and they were whatever educational stuff she was showing the kids, but she didn't have the right cable and no one in the, in the district knew. And so Brian just went and he's techie and he just, I think we even had one in our garage, but he's the type that just knows what cables go with what. Um, and he brought it in and she was so happy like that would have, she would have really gone all year and just not been able to show the videos that she wanted because that's the kind of thing that falls to the bottom of right. a list. So I don't know, Megan, if anything comes to mind for you, but I guess the point is you, whatever your situation is, even if you have a baby and a toddler at home or you're swamped, you're working full time, there's probably a, a skill you have or a service you can offer that would be helpful. And you, you can just throw it out there and see what the teacher says. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I mean, I'm thinking of different things I've done over the years. I've done things like I've done things more in my wheelhouse, um, newsletter writing, stuff like that. But I've also just done grunt work. Yep. Cause that sometimes has to get done too. I remember, you know, cutting out shapes, um, because there's so many shapes to be cut out yep. and there was no way the teacher could do them all. So, yep. you know, to kind of depending on how ambitious I was feeling and whether I was really up for coming up with ideas or really more wanted someone just to hand me some something really yeah. simple to do. Um, I would just kind of pick based on that. So I yeah. would, I would add to that, that if you are good at organizing things, um, then mm -hmm. a huge help for a teacher would actually be to be the person to figure out what they need to go yes. in and set up a 30 minute meeting and just say, Hey, I know we have parents who want to help. You probably are too busy to figure out how, why don't we have a 30 minute meeting and I'll, I will disperse these grunt jobs to parents. I feel like that would be yep. a huge, a huge gift. And some people are really good at that kind of thing. And it's not, it's not going to take up your whole year or be, I think that's the point here is that there's not necessarily a committee position for what we're talking about. It's right. just figuring it out. I don't know. I feel like um, teachers are always in need of uh, tissues, um, it, antibacterial oh, yeah. wipes. Mm -hmm. Like this is the kind of thing like, Hey, I'm headed to target in the next few days. Is there anything you need for the classroom? Like sometimes it's as simple as that. Just like we give that advice when we talk about helping out a new mom. I think it's, there's a lot of similarities here. Absolutely.
Yep. All right. Your turn. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, well this one is, is simple and short, I guess. Um, and this is something that, like, again, anybody can do this. It really just, rec- it really just means getting yourself in the mindset where you think about it. Mm-hmm. But if your kids say something nice about a teacher, I don't care if it's a teacher they had this year, last year, the year before, find a way to, even if it means going out of your way, having to yeah. dig up an old email address or something, find a way to try to let the teacher know. I yeah, think that that stuff that. means so much more than we sometimes think about. And um, my kids will make an offhand comment about a teacher. And it's sometimes it's something like that was my favorite class. Like I'll hear an older one talking to the yeah. younger one. And, oh, I love that class. Not that they're in middle school. That was my favorite teacher. And I love when I can. And I don't always do it. But I try to do it whenever I think to is to f- track that teacher down. I've, um, I, you know, I live in a small town, so I'm connected to a lot of teachers. But yeah. I've publicly posted it and tagged the teacher on Facebook. Yeah. I think it's just little stuff like that I think goes a long way. And it's easy. It's just the kind of thing like when it happens, just, you know, it's like right in front of you when yep. you're, while you're thinking about it, give them a shout out. Yeah, I love that. I really love that idea. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, which is recognizing that teachers are human beings, that they yeah. often get negative feedback probably more than they get positive because it's easy to forget. It's, you know, the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, so to speak. Yeah. Like it's that. Yeah, I love it. Um, all right. Mine's another thing that anybody can do. And you guys can do this who um, don't have kids in school yet. If you have little tiny kids. And this is just that if you are teaching basic courtesy in your home, I don't mean raising perfect children. So I want to be careful about how I say this. I don't mean that you're raising kids who remember to say please and thank you every time because that's hard and not most of us aren't doing that. But if you have basic um rules in your house about courtesy, kindness. If you're modeling for your kids how to regulate when they get upset, how to manage their emotions, these things translate into the classroom way more than you would think. So when you all of a sudden have 25 or 30 kids who may or may not have learned that when you make a mess, when you tip over the marker bin, Mm -hmm. you help clean it up. When you accidentally step on somebody's toe in line, you figure out how to help them or you apologize or whatever the rule is. Um, You don't make fun of people when they raise their hand and share ideas in class. Like kids are on a learning curve. So I'm not saying that your kid's never going to be a jerk because your kid might be a jerk about some of these things. But I can (laughs) tell you that teachers appreciate um, and maybe in a minute we can talk about what I'm doing in the library at school if we have time. And so even I have been around a lot of kids lately at school. You appreciate and you can see the kids who they're not perfect, but they've had this basic um, learning of courtesy, manners, yeah. respect at home. And you can tell the kids you can tell who haven't. And yeah. so just think about that as you have really little ones, you are giving a future gift to a teacher. Your kid might not even go into school for two or three more years, but by the work that you're doing at home, you are helping out a future teacher. I think that's why I wanted to bring it up because we do have a lot of listeners whose kids aren't in school yet, but this, this comes out in the classroom and you can just tell, mm-hmm. don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, you can tell. And that doesn't mean that sometimes those same kids won't screw up or forget. Totally. Or, yeah, my kids do all those things. But you can, there's like a difference between the kid who spaces out and forgets and then checks themselves or whatever. And the ones to whom it just doesn't ever occur to them. Yeah. To say, excuse me, if they bump into you or, you know, wait their turn patiently or like you can tell the difference and yeah. it, it does make a difference. It does. And, and schools are, I think, having to do a lot now with um, this type of empathy training and, all this kind of stuff they're doing in school, which I think is great. But I think for, a, I mean, it's, it's a little, it's not too late. I won't say it's too late, but it is 
a little late if kids haven't had some of this modeled for them at home. And it's just as simple as, you know, taking turns speaking, not interrupting, being kind to one another and not expecting kids to be perfect at it, but setting it as something that's important in your house. And I promise teachers will notice that they do. They notice the kids who've had that and they notice the kids who apparently haven't for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, somehow, somehow I think I ended up with fewer than you and I went first. So now it's, it's still your turn, Sarah. Well, you can do the last one. It's, it's a general pep talk, don't you think? The last one? That's true. You can do it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And that, I mean, it's that this is a marathon, not a sprint. You, your kids are going to be in school for what? Like 13 years, yep. K through 12? Yep. You have so much time. Yep. You have so much time. You do not have to prove yourself kindergarten year. Nope. Or young fives. Or you don't have to get in. You don't have to be a full-time um, volunteering parent for the entire time your kids are in school. Like you just, some years you can do the class party or the field trip. And then the next year you cannot. you yep. can say, no, I'm not doing that this year. And then you'll still get another chance to do it again. Like there's so many options. There's so many, so much time ahead. And let me say something about, cause we're, we've focused a lot on teachers and a lot of the things that you can do through PTA or school sometimes don't directly impact the teacher. So I have had teachers say, and it's really nice of them to say this, like, we know that not everybody can participate at the same level and you do whatever you can. Like teachers do not expect that you are doing all of the things every year. So no, yeah. no teacher's going to measure your worthiness as a school parent by whether you're on the PTA, whether you, you know, offer to help in the classroom. They really don't. Now they appreciate it. They're, they really do appreciate it, but they, they get it that this is, in fact, I think sometimes they almost feel uncomfortable at how how much a school can ask of parents and how like they, again, it comes back to they feel bad asking for one more thing because they know how much you're already doing. So yeah, they're not keeping score. Um, the things you can do in your home to send kids who are well-rested and ready to learn, I think are often as appreciated as the, the things that are real visible at the school, like, you know, organizing jogathons and stuff. So yeah. you're not being judged or measured by those teachers. I promise. I will also just to add to that, um, I will say that, you know, in the elementary school levels at the elementary school levels, it's often the options in ways that you can help can sometimes be limited and they may not relate to things that you're really into. Like, let's right. say that you love sports or you love theater, your options for helping out at the kindergarten yeah. first or second grade yeah. level are going to be really limited, right? But as your kids get older, those options are going to open way totally. up. Not only will the options open up, your ability to do it is probably going to open up as well. So you might be the parent and you might like that age group of kids better. Totally. Like you might like 11 year olds way more than you like six year olds or groups of them. So yeah. you're going to have so many options and you might be the person who, when your kids are in middle school, like runs the orchestra yeah. and that's a huge job. So like You've got plenty of time to you put got in time. the, the pace, work. <laughs> pace yourself, people. Pace yourself. No yes. school wants burned out parents, too. No, exactly. Um, can I talk about my library job? Because I yeah, am spending more time at school than I ever have because all my three kids are there full time. So I was once, when Allegra started kindergarten, I had a baby and a newly three-year-old. So I had a preschooler, part-time preschooler and a baby at home. And I just totally didn't do anything Allegra's kindergarten year. And now I feel like Violet's kindergarten year, I get to kind of I don't know, pay it forward is the wrong phrase, but you know what I mean, like make up yeah. for it. Um, but I am in charge at our school library, mostly of finding volunteers to be in the library when the kids come. So if I've done my job correctly, I'm not actually in the library that much, but I have trained the volunteers. They all get trained on how to use the checkout system um, and kind of 
I've taken it off the school's plate to organize, you know, when the classes visit, the schedule, all of that. It's right in my wheelhouse because I'm good at, I'm good at, I don't know, what do you even call that skill? Like project management, I guess. Like making sure that all the people do all the things they're supposed to do. That's a skill I have. Plus I love books. I love kids reading books. I love to read aloud to kids, which I get to do when I'm in there. Um, I love being in our library because when the kids aren't in there, it's this really quiet pretty Mm -hmm. space at school. I'm not good on the playground. I don't like to be hot. I'm not good on field trips. Um, We've talked about field trips before. And I think my main thing with field trips is the kids are out of their routine. I like when kids are in their routine, (laughs) when they know it's library day, we come to library, we check out a book, there's like a system around it. So it's just perfect for me. And I, I spend a fair amount of time doing this volunteer gig and I love it. And so I, I guess I offer that because I spent many years not volunteering very much and it kind of waited until I could find something that was a good fit for me. And now that it is, I love it. So that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Lo- love playing to your strengths and preferences both count. Yeah. And saying no for many years, like having mm-hmm. boundaries for many years has made me not bitter and not um, overextended. And now I feel like I can step up when I have the bandwidth. So I like yeah. it. Um, okay, guys, I guess a little bit of housekeeping before we wrap. Uh, Megan, we had an idea to hear from teachers. I know they're going to yeah. talk to us. Do you want to? Yes. So we, you know, we were thinking before that we wish we had had the foresight to collect teacher suggestions before we recorded this episode. But we still feel like there's so much more that can be said that I think we could do another episode where we incorporate teachers suggestions. And we have so, so many listener teachers. So, yes, so many. we do. So if you have feedback and I don't even mean feedback like you agree or disagree with what we talked about in this episode. But if you are like, yes, here's another idea for a way you can be a great um, friend to a teacher as a mom, please record it and yes. send it to us. What's the best way to do that? Speakpipe, right? So we so, talked about that before. Mm-hmm, Speakpipe, you can link, we link that up um, on our website at themomhour.com or every smartphone has a little me- voice memo recorder. So you just hit record, you record your voice and you email that file to hello at themomhour.com. Those are the two yeah. easiest ways. Um, Speakpipe, yes, and, and, yeah. And our goal is to compile recorded, so it has to be recorded, um, recorded feedback, advice, tips, things like that um, on this topic. And then put them in a future episode. Yeah, and so I'd like to get as many as we can. I would love that. And I, I know that teachers often have things they wish parents knew. So think of it as like the things you wish parents knew. And, you know, we want to hear your voices. But if it's important to you to remain anonymous, you can just say, hey, I'm a teacher, you know, in Virginia and leave it kind of general. I think that would be fine. But we'd also love to hear what grades you teach. You know, introduce yourself so we can, you know, hear what grade you teach and where you teach and what, you know, what your favorite ways that parents help out that maybe are low, low bar, low stakes. We'd love to hear. Yeah. Love it. Um, also want to remind people that we launched our Patreon community last week. Yes, with, we did. I was going to say with much fanfare, but actually not a lot not of public fanfare, fanfare, more yeah. just like internal wringing of hands. That's I w- I'm not even going to say it's fanfare. <laughs> it was more like the two of us kind of freaking out and overthinking a lot of things and then yeah. deciding we we're just going to do it. And then just pushing a button. And so, then we pushed it. Literally, I sent Sarah a video of me pushing the button to launch our Patreon page. It just felt it was, like a big deal. If you don't know I what know. that is, it's a way to support us with a few dollars a month and get bonus content. But more importantly than the bonus content, I think, to be on the inside and feel like you're kind of part of the inner circle and enable us to make even more great content. Nothing's changing about the free content. Podcasts are free. We're not taking anything away from you, but we are really interested in cultivating this community of subscribers for just, I mean, I think it works out to like 
25 cents an episode or something at the entry level or like a dollar an episode, even if you want the the bigger perks. So it's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the mom hour. And we'd love to see you there in our community. And we'll um, link that in the show notes as well. Yes, we will. Okay, so I'm going to queue it up real quick. That's where we recommend an episode from the archives that we think you might have missed and might have fun listening to. And then don't forget that Katie joins me up next. But my queue it up that I picked is actually our 100th episode. Speaking of fanfare, Whoa, okay, right? That seemed really big, but we're going to already we're going to have to start planning number 200. Our 200th, I know. Um, so if you missed this one, it's called "It's All Going to Be Okay" and other truths moms need to hear. And this is like our, like literally our platitudes, our, I don't know what else you call them, like our cliches that we say over and over again on this show, but that we all need to hear. Even you and me need to hear them. You and I need to hear them over and over again. So it's episode 100. It's from May 2nd, 2017. And it's called, it's all going to be okay. And other truths moms need to hear. So that's it for today, guys. Katie's with me next. And Megan, I will talk to you soon. See ya. guys it's Sarah and I am here with Katie Addis hey Katie hi Sarah so as usual Katie is here to bring us a struggle a success and a discovery from her life as a mom of two little ones now three and a half and two by this point Mm -hmm. even though my two-year-old on most days counts for multiple children it seems I had one of those yeah I mean I still do but she's not two, but she's <laughs> right. still like four children. <laughs> right, exactly. So what have we got today? Okay, well, Sarah, you inspired my struggle for today. Oh. I know. Get ready. Okay. okay. So I struggle with keeping my kids' nails groomed, ah, cut, yes. clean. Um, in fact, okay, let's see. Today is Saturday. Uh-huh. My kids got baths on Thursday. Yep. We had breakfast with somebody on Friday and breakfast happens in the morning. Sleep happens. <laughs> yeah. Between bath. After, and, yeah. Between bath and morning. And somehow Luke's fingernails were already gritty and gross by breakfast with yeah. some other person. And uh, I just thought it would be a fun struggle to discuss yeah. today. Well, it is. <laughs> I have three children, as you guys know, and one of them bites her nails, which is not a good habit. It's a gross habit. And that's a habit we'll deal with another time. But I have to say, it is only like I have two children in terms of fingernail because she literally has none. When did that start? What age? She started biting him when she was probably three, like a young three. Really? And it's so interesting. I know. And, um, it kind of goes in phases. Like I don't even see her doing it very often. So it's not like a nervous, I mean, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it does come from kind of a nervous habit type of thing. Any like any compulsive right. thing, but it's not like I notice her doing it when she's feeling nervous or shy. Right. So I think it's probably mostly in the car, to be honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> child in the car. Okay. Um, but yeah, she never has nails to cut. Okay. The other two, I was telling Katie before we started recording that like you can always tell kind of my mental state and how far behind I am in life by looking at the kids' fingernails because I feel like when I'm on top of things, they're just trimmed and clean. I mean, the clean, it's hard. Like oh, kids it's get so dirt hard. under their nails and then wait till they're in elementary school. It's just they come home and it's just nasty. But I do love nothing more than like right when they get out of the shower or bath, just like, and even my 10-year-old does not know how to clip her own yet I mean like the just the dexterity and you know the using your non 
prominent dominant, dominant yeah. hand. Thank yeah. you. Um, and just this last time she was like, mom, I think I can do it. And I was like, no, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> there's something so satisfying. So, oh, totally and then, satisfying. I'm even like, I prefer the girls like to have their toenails painted. They're not, they don't really care about their fingernails painted that often, but they do like to, you know, have me paint their toenails once in a while. Yeah. But I even feel like that chipped toenail polish look is just kind of like, sometimes I'm like, I just want it all to be clean. Right. Yeah. And I should explain to listeners that that is why Sarah inspired this struggle that I wanted to talk about was because Sarah herself has the nicest, most, um, manicured well-kempt like organized yeah yeah very organized very um I I mean this in the best way very type a hands like yes. you look at them and they're even a, a beautiful shape and they're just always so nicely trimmed right to the quick not too much but you're not concerned about you know her like nipping her skin right but it's just so nice well I t- I really take that as a a very nice compliment. Yeah, they're never painted. Um, I know which, I don't paint my nails. But probably because of fear of chipping. Yes, it does. It bothers me. <laughs> it's like a compulsive unless I have a perfect concern. manicure. I I don't like that like half painted. Right. It is true. Right. And so have, yeah. before I got here, Sarah, you have to know that I um you inspired me to cut to trim and to file my nails. Oh, um but I but you don't even want to see the the, the chip oh the chip the, the chip of polish. my of okay, my polish but um but yeah I mean before I was a mom one thing I would notice about little kids yeah was their disgusting grubby fingernails and I it was one of those when I'm a mom yeah I will never have right. children with grubby right. fingernails uh yeah right yeah no it's impossible and even mine as much as I enjoy them having trimmed clean fingernails it's not all the time and when you really notice it and it's called into light is piano lessons <laughs> I have had and we have the most wonderful piano teachers but I have had Reed sit down for a piano lesson and have the teacher ask him to go wash his hands. and I mean I do make my kids wash their hands but piano it's like we come home we have a snack like yeah. I don't know how well they're washing and right. then I look and I'm like oh my god I wouldn't even let you touch my piano with those yeah hands. Like, well mortifying. but you know what the grimy grimy fingernails are not always an indication of cleanliness of palms uh, right, you know that's palms. true but yeah it's just it's, visually gross yeah and just it's, yeah the piano it's like right there totally in black and white and right under the yes light. so I often find myself apologizing to people because it was such a judgment of mine pre-mom yeah. like I can't even what do you believe I gave him right. a bath last night right. you know saying oh, things so like funny. that um but okay let's move on to my discovery okay so I know you've talked on the podcast before about five below Yes. Discount store where everything is $5 or under and your kids love it, right? Yes. Okay. So I, um, a couple months ago discovered Daiso. Oh, have you never heard of Daiso? Mm -mm, I don't think so. (gasps) Okay. So Daiso is spelled D-A-I-S-O. Oh yes. It's a brand, right? Or what is it? Tell me. Well, it's a store. It's imagine, um, well, okay. So apparently it's, it's known as the Japanese dollar tree or dollar store, But that is really misleading and almost minimizes the great experience of Daiso. Okay. So to me, Daiso is the Sanrio store. Yes, that's what Mary's, I'm um, Mary's even better than below zero. Okay. Um, so the, the thing I like about it is the, the whimsy in the product and the quality okay. in the product. For so the price. Yeah. For the price. Yeah. So everything in Daiso is $1.50. Um, and I would say probably under $5, but 
the um the majority of everything is a dollar fifty. Okay. I happened to be in there and I had just bought a hanging shoe storage. I don't know, whatever that's called, a hanging shoe storage mm-hmm. thing that you put in your closet. And I was going to put containers in it and organize kid toys, uh-huh. kid stuff yes. into shoe boxes and put them in the shoe storage. So Daiso has really odd shaped, almost container store like mm. shapes and sizes. You know nice. how if, if you're looking for a weird shape, yes, I've even tried Amazon um, and Amazon doesn't come through. You need to go to the Some container tar- store. And sometimes tar- Target dollar section has weird shapes. I have these oh, okay. cupboards downstairs that are really flat. And so they're very, they have no depth. And so oh. you can put a lot of nice storage bins in them, but they can't, they have to be like skinny. And um, okay. so I'm always on the lookout for certain sizes. Okay. Well, then you need to hit up Daiso because in the very back of this particular location, um, they have just the most odd shaped, I mean, it's not super odd, but what I was looking for was super, um, narrow, but deep, mm-hmm. basically imagine a skinny shoe yep. box. Yes. Um, and in the thick plastic, we're talking like sterilite mm-hmm. quality mm-hmm. that close mm-hmm. and have a nice, uh, nice closure that seals really nicely. Um, and they were a dollar 50. Nice. And that's, that's another thing about odd shaped containers they're expensive yeah and so anyway I swept up as many as I could but they also had tackle boxes back there and and just in other categories of why this store is so awesome um they have fun back to school supplies I imagine it being great if you're looking for a good actual quality usable party favor yeah well, that's or what I was picturing like fun party favors or yeah. travel gear yes. you know party, keep... like if you're having a party yeah yeah so it is such a fun store and you and your kids should check it out okay I'm going okay right. and then my success this is so exciting because listeners you have helped me on this struggle in the past um you if you've been listening for a long time, remember that Anna Lee and her pull-ups at night yes have been a problem for me she also up until maybe two weeks ago, slept in a pull-up during naps. Okay. But after our summer vacation, we got home and I can't remember really what instigated it, but um, we pulled the pull-up during nap. We've had lots of conversations about it. We've had several failed attempts in the past, but we're going on two solid weeks of pulling the pull-up nice. during nap time and nice. we've had great success. Yay. Yeah. Nice. A lot less pull-ups. A lot. Yes. And I'm just easier. Just easier, yeah. One one less pull up a day, and um, it's just yeah, it's just easier, and I'm so happy. Nice, I know. So next challenge, uh, that I'm not even gonna really address until after four yeah. is nighttime. I think. Well, I think we've talked about it even in this I segment. Know. But both my two of my three kids were were just before five. Oh really? Then, okay. Yeah, and that's I think that's pretty normal. And there's okay. not much you can do other than limiting liquids and some putting routines around it it's not something that they are not like they're not developmentally ready till they're ready yeah like you can't really train in the same way you can potty train you can if they drink a lot of liquids right before bed then you you know you could of course change some routines yes but um the only thing I've heard that some people do is wake a kid up at like 10 or 11 when the parents go to bed yeah like dream dream, yes like a dream pee (laughs) and I do have a friend who used to do that if that's, that's a lot of work, it is a lot of work. <laughs> if that's kind of the way you want to do it. Um, but yeah, I just waited it out. And one of my kids was as soon as they potty trained during the day, it was like instant for a night. I didn't do anything. And the yeah. other two wore pull-ups for like three years after they potty trained during the day. Okay. So 
Okay, wait, and I have a question. So your kids now, do they frequently wake up in the middle of the night? No. Um, they, I have a couple who will wake up sometimes in the early morning. And that's kind of a bummer because sometimes they won't go back to sleep. So okay. my son will sometimes wake up and need to use the bathroom at like... 445 five and he yeah. doesn't he's not allowed to come out of his room after that I mean, he's allowed to come out and go to the bathroom and I right. hear him right and he goes back in but I know he doesn't go back to sleep he'll read a book or something he's okay. kind of like an early riser like I am yeah um and I think probably we don't really restrict water before bed most of them like to have a water bottle next to their bed I mean they don't chug the whole thing right um or wake up in the middle of the night no Allegra will on occasion but they're so independent now that they just go um, and she'll almost kind of like, I don't even think she remembers it. Violet okay. is the one who would probably call out and ask for help. But okay. she, since she stopped wearing pull-ups, now she was almost five, but since she stopped, she does not have accidents and she doesn't really get up to go in the middle of the night. If she did, it would be at like four in the morning, like when it's been almost all night and then okay. I'd help her and she'd go back to sleep. Um, but really I just left pull-ups on until they were dry 90% of the time. Like, okay. because for me, I'd rather throw away a pull-up than change sheets. So oh, I agree. they might've been ready a little earlier, but there might've been more occasional accidents and I just wasn't in the mood. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that's my success and I'm happy about it. it. And I'm glad your kids are successful in that area Good job. too. <laughs> Good job guys. Okay. Um, so Katie, we will be back with you in about a month and Oh, just as a reminder, head to the momhour.com and click on the blog link at the top. Katie does also a blog post once a month. It usually kind of dovetails with this segment. So look for that and I will link it up in the show notes for this episode too. Thanks Katie. Bye guys. Bye.